0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: Today is Wednesday, August 4th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is... Franchise today. Well, what an amazing week this has been. It started out great and then continued to get even better. So, for those of you who have not caught up with the press release yet, Zor Forum has officially launched both as a franchise opportunity for seasoned franchise professionals, but moreover, to benefit and pay it forward for emerging franchisors who will be invited to become members of groups of six to ten other emerging franchisors, forming peer groups to tackle the common problems faced by emerging franchisors and take deep dives into solving those common problems. These groups will hear from guest speakers and be guided by seasoned franchise professionals every step of the way. You've no doubt heard the commercials, but had no idea that this was an enterprise that I had co-founded, along with Graham Chapman of 919 Marketing and veteran franchise executive Dave Pasgan, formerly CEO of 101 Mobility and currently a Shelf Genie franchisee and partner as well in another emerging concept called kinetics. Well, if that's not exciting enough, we've actually already inked our first deal with none other than industry veteran John Francis, or Johnny Franchise, as he's known by those of us closest to him, who will form as many as five virtual Zorforum groups. Please give our new website a look at zorforum.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And speaking of exciting news, the IFA has a new president and CEO, hardly a stranger to any of us that have known him in his government relations roles at IFA for the past many years, but now... Matt Haller has taken the seat at the head of the table, and he'll be here in two minutes or less to tell us all about it. Also, stick around following Matt's interview, as I'll share a look ahead to a great slate of guests lined up for the rest of the month and into September. A quick break here, and when I return, I'll be joined by Matt Haller.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join ZorForum. Learn more at zorforum.com that's www.zorforum.com as Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Public Affairs, Matt Hallow is already a key member of the IFA's senior management team, leading efforts to protect, promote, and enhance franchising and small business to the media, policymakers, business leaders, and the public. Who better asked the IFA board to assume the role vacated last year by Robert Cresante? The answer to that speaks for itself. As newly minted president and CEO of the IFA, Matt will be responsible for the overall leadership and management of the association, working closely with the board, committees, and the staff to further develop and implement IFA's strategic vision, policies, and programs to advance our interests and protect and promote our organization's reputation as the preeminent representative of franchising across the country and around the world. Matt Haller, welcome back to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Not my first-time guest, but long-time listener. Well, and first-time guest, though, is president and CEO of the organization, to which I must publicly say for the first time, my heartiest congratulations to you. Thank you, my friend. It is uh, an honor and you know, a challenge. It's a big organization,
2: but a lot of great people trying to do a lot of great things and look forward to applying what I've done, I think, successfully in the GR space for the last number of years to help the organization grow and
1: continue to advocate for franchising. I can't think of anyone better suited inside or out to grab the helmet this time in our history and somebody who's been around for as long as you have, what, 10, 11, 12 years? 10 years. 10 years all in GR, which is your history. You're going to give us your history because nobody gets to take the seat here at Franchise Today without winding it back for us and helping us understand how and when franchising discovered you. Why don't we start there? Tell us about how you got into franchising and then walk us up from there to today.
2: Sure. So I'd spent a decade or so in my career at a number of other trade associations in and around Washington, DC. And when Steve Caldera had come to the IFA, um, was looking to grow in the advocacy communications area, hired me as a director of communications back in 2010. And have taken on a number of different roles in the government relations space, uh, including state government relations, federal, growing out with now our Franchise Action Network. And then when Robert Crisanti became our CEO after leading the government relations and advocacy team for three or four years under Steve, Robert put me in charge of the team and served in that role for all of his tenure at the IFA. And Robert is now going on to bigger and different things uh, around D.C., but uh, Board went through a process to ascertain who they wanted to lead the organization into this new era, and you know, I think recognized that the solution was was right there in front of them. And I'm excited, as I said, I'm honored uh, and humbled by the opportunity because so many great people that I get to represent, and you know have the benefit of not having to learn an entirely new organization, but take on you know a significant you know, broader portfolio of issues and figure out the right management team and looking at a lot of new areas to invest in both on full-time employees and strategic initiatives heading out of the pandemic. So that's, that's exciting. We can talk about that a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. And I find it something of an irony that a guy like Steve Caldera, who in my mind could be likened to like Donald Trump, he was a guy who just was very, very different than what we typically remember as presidents or CEOs of the IFA, as Donald Trump was president of the United States, very different than anything we can remember. <laughs> and a polarizing figure. But out of his wisdom came Matt Haller's career at IFA. And look where you sit today. I'd say Steve Caldera has got some legacy here in you, but whether you loved him or not, he got things done. I mean, you're here as the CEO of the IFA and came through Steve to Robert and through Robert, we've got you. And I can't think of anyone who's got steadier hands in such an unstable time that we find ourselves in in and out of franchising. Just changes in life and in business are dramatic in this era. And I couldn't feel safer. The first word that I felt when I heard you were appointed was I feel safe. Well, thanks,
2: Dan. I appreciate that. And you know, look, both Robert and Steve were were great bosses to Staff of the organization, which I think at the end of the day you always want to work for good people. I think everybody has their opinions about from from an outside perspective, leadership, and it's different when you're when you're a staff person than when you're a paying member and and all that. But you know, leaving that aside, look, I'm not either of them, and will carve my own path. So you know, hope folks may associate me with one person or another. We'll recognize that I'm my own person, and you know, not trying to be either of them. To be perfectly candid, there's there's a Matt Halper way of doing things, and Number one, uh, just because I've been here for 10 years doesn't mean I'm not going to listen to the membership. And I think that's so key in, in any leadership position is listening first and, you know, acting second. But I, I do have a predisposition to do and to get stuff done. And I think leaning into to areas where there's opportunity for IFA uh, to, to grow, for IFA to better serve its members to acquire new members or get into new areas of, of business are, are something that we want to be doing and finding strategic partnerships within the industry with key suppliers or, you know, I'll call them sometimes competitors, you know, frenemies as some way <laughs> really occur to them. Uh, I think the pandemic, as we've seen in the business world, has accelerated those types of partnerships. And, you know, that's something that we've already done um, in one instance with our friends at franchise update by consolidating two events into one you know, coming up in October down in your home area of Atlanta. Uh, and I think we're looking at other strategic alliances like that moving forward to help better serve the franchise community, whether it's with content or events or, or other types of activities. So, You've done this. But at the end of the you... day, we're the... yeah, go, go ahead, Sam.
1: No, I was going to ask though. This isn't the first time you—not well, you personally—but that IFA has done such a thing, right? Would MFV fall into that same category with the IFE in New York and some of their other expos? Who else would be strategic partners of that kind? Well,
2: MFV is a longstanding partner. I think it goes back almost thirty years, to be honest with you, and have had some actually two weeks ago here in DC had some great meetings. They've been acquired again, as, as your listeners probably know, uh, and are you know looking for these types of partnerships. And we are talking with Tom and Steve about how to expand that partnership, that there have been opportunities on the table in the past that we have not taken for certain reasons or just lack of a predisposition to, to do and grow. And I think that is something that we're we're probably going to take on here in the coming months and years, particularly in the in the programming space in and around They're great events. Um, I don't think expos are completely dead as some may want to dance on their grave. Uh, and then in the international space, I mean, we are the International Franchise Association. You know, we have U.S. members that want to grow outside and and are looking for for partners. And you know, obviously, we have our partner organizations in a number of developed and developing countries that we've helped get established. And I think by being more in lockstep with, with folks like MFE who are putting on great programming and shows around the globe, we can, we can better serve the entirety of the franchise community in partnership with our organizational partners. You know, I mean, the other trade associations that represent franchising in other countries.
1: Another place that I see and feel traction is with franchisees. I'm yesterday sitting in on the third day of the summer board meeting to see Kim Kroll on the IFA board it gives me personal pride in that her husband, Angelo, played football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and, and Angelo and Kim were both attendees at the very first pro athlete franchise initiative summit that Michael Stone and I created 10 or 11 years ago and I knew that day that Kim was going to become involved in franchising. I watched the difference in body language Matt, at our first summit. Angela sat there like like all the other NFL players, had his arms crossed in front of him, he had a scowl on his face, he was like, "Don't you if you're wearing a suit, don't you even think about coming over and talking to me." That's the way he looked. <laughs> and, and Kim was sitting there with a yellow pad filling up pages as quick as she could write and i looked at michael stone and i said i don't know how he feels about being here today but let me tell you something she's going to be involved in franchising and look at where they are now what are they 30 maybe 40 jersey mics yeah and i think they're in another i think they got
2: in another brand now kim is an absolute rock star we're pumped to have her on the board being an awesome franchisee voice and she's like totally leaned into the IFA in the advocacy space and you know looking to get her more involved and Just being a spokesperson for franchising for different communities that I think that she'll she'll resonate with. But she's you know she testified before the Federal Trade Commission at their FTC rule hearing in 2019. She's been you know out talking to the press about different you know, issues impacting franchising and, you know, was involved in some really meaty conversations that we were discussing at the board level yesterday regarding brand standards in the uh, IFA uh, membership, which is something we're taking a look at again. Um, and then maybe just a minute on that, that topic, not to get too out in the open on it, but, you know, at the end of the day, franchising and, and the IFA membership, you know, we're only going to be as strong as our lowest common denominator in terms of business practices. And, you know, I think we're, we, we, we we want to do everything we can to ensure that the brands that we're representing in franchising are upholding the highest standards of business and creating a healthy channel of commerce for existing and prospective franchisees. And if brands are not, we want to create tools and resources through education and, and other means to uplevel them to get them at a at a healthy place where they're royalty self sufficient and and growing a, in an appropriate way. You know, it's no secret there's been some major bad actors in the sector that have gotten, you know, the lion's share of the media attention and the regulatory and congressional and state level attention. And there's always going to be people that are you know, looking to game the system in any industry, but there's a role for IFA to play here. And it's an important conversation for us to have and hopefully bring to an outcome that helps us do more to stave off overregulation in a in a one-size-fits-all way which is of course always a fear.
1: Well, as I observed in that call yesterday, I think everybody was on board with what it is that's being contemplated and I think how it gets from where it is to what it becomes is of course where the deeper conversations will ensue. But if we don't self-regulate, we invite regulation from the outside. So I applaud what's being done and I'm certain that given some time and the great minds that are in Involved in crafting the decisions that are going to be made, some really, really powerfully good things are about to come. Matt, why don't we take a quick break right here, and then we're going to come right back and talk some more about post-COVID franchising and where you see things going, and where you're going to be trying to drive things through your leadership. We're talking with Matt Hallard, the newly minted president and CEO of the International Franchise Association, and we'll be right back. Franchise Today
0: will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Hey, franchisors of restaurants, bars, grills, and taverns, and multi-unit franchisees, listen up. This message is for you. Atmosphere TV wants to help you cut costs on overpriced cable TV for your business and either replace it completely or partially if sports programming is essential at your locations. What Atmosphere TV provides are 100% And the conversation continues with Matt Haller, President and CEO of the International Franchise Association. Matt, we went into break talking about the greater traction that's been coming in recent times with franchisee involvement in the IFA. And I threw out Kim's name, Kim Kroll. But too, when you stop and think about it, there are people like Sean Falk and Matthew Patinkin that have been around, Mitch Cohn, Jeff Tooze. I'm just trying to think of some others, Jerry Akers. Who else would be luminaries that I've ignored or forgotten? Tamara Kennedy. So franchising's voice through franchisees is really not new, but it's something that I think is just starting to bubble up to the point where others might be noticing that we really are not just a Zor organization at all, are we? No, we have 23
2: franchisee board members on on the IFA board right now. You rang off a few that have been very active for a long time, but folks like David Humphrey, who is now our second vice chair. David is the CEO of a large Planet Fitness franchise system uh, spread across the country. Another guy named Greg Flynn who folks may know or follow. He's actually the largest franchisee in the country involved in a number of restaurant concepts. He came on our board last year, but also smaller franchisees, folks like Joe Lindemeyer, um, who's been very active in VetFran over the years. Uh, he's a California closets franchisee down on the Gulf Coast in Louisiana. Daniel Halpern, who's in Atlanta, very active in democratic politics, uh, actually on the DNC National Finance Committee in Atlanta. He's on board. He's a TGF Fridays franchisee. Luis San Miguel, um, he's an Auntie Anne's franchisee down in Miami, a uh, great immigrant Cuban-American story um, in, in franchising. Todd Recknagel, I think he's been on the board in the past, uh, Massage Envy franchise owner. So it's, look, the franchisees and franchisors are... Critical to have on the table for these, you know, really meaty conversations that we talked about earlier around things like brand standards. But we need franchisees engaged to tell the story about why franchising is a great business model and why we need government to do no harm and we're part of the economic solution to the recovery right now, not part of the problem that some have painted us uh, out to be. And look, our franchisees and franchisors going to agree on every single issue every single day. <laughs> I think anybody in franchising knows the answer to that is no. But we're stronger when we're together, and that's what makes leading IFA, exciting, is the ability to bring people together and solve problems, not just there are loud voices out there on the fringes saying that everything is wrong in franchising and the whole model needs to be upended, whether it's the labor and employment side or the franchisor franchisee side. And I think we know that's not reality. Are we perfect? No, but the only way we're at- Actually, going to solve problems is by bringing people around the table together, and that's what IFA is here for.
1: And I think we would be remiss if we didn't call some attention to the third leg on that stool, which is the tremendous power behind the supplier forum of the IFA and its leadership. Might you spend a moment there?
2: Yes, eight suppliers on the board. Amy Chang is the chair of our supplier forum this year, and she's tremendous. A great franchise attorney in Chicago, and you know, look, we wouldn't be able to do what we do um, at IFA without suppliers helping support us financially in so many ways whether it's sponsoring, you know, events and exhibiting at events, providing great thought leadership through our publications and other products, and then many who support us via political action committee. And and just for me personally, as as I've been in my role in the GR side over so many years, picking up just information about what what's on the minds of franchisors and franchisees and how suppliers are helping those those folks problem solve, particularly the small and medium-sized companies where there's so much not brought in as far as inside a franchise or organization, where they're leaning on consultants and, and experts. And, and particularly for, for me on the on the legal side in that community, there's there's so many friends and advisors that I've made over the years there and, and just looking to expand on those relationships for me personally in more of the business side and development side as I grow into my new role. How large is the board now in total, Matt? So we have sixty-seven total board members as of today. Our bylaws cap us out at seventy-five. So there's a number of folks that are actively in the in the nominating process at the moment. But as you know, Stan David Barr led an effort over the, the year he was chair of the IFA pre-pandemic to expand the board and put more shoulders against the wheel to help us generate more resources for some of our key initiatives, more C-level involvement from large brands who may have not been able to serve in a leadership role when we had a 39-person board. And the board is more of a advisory board than kind of a, a fiduciary board like you would think of in a traditional business. You know, there's a smaller group of officers in the executive committee that are, you know, really working more closely with staff on budget and things like that on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, the board is the expanded board has been tremendous in having people to be able to go to that understand you know, very closely what, what the key priorities of the organization are and can draw on either them or people within their companies for expertise to help us execute
1: at the staff level. And Catherine Monson, as chairwoman this term, I guess, she's the first in history, I think, to become a two-year leader of the IFA's board as chair, given that the pandemic, I think, kept us from moving through continuity, right? Who comes next?
2: Yeah, Catherine's been tremendous. She uh, she did get a two-year term to create some continuity, and I'm thrilled to be working so closely with her. Charlie Chase is next. Charlie is the CEO of First Service Brands, and his portfolio is California Closets, which she's also serving as interim CEO of At The Moment, as well as Paul Davis Restoration and Painters and a number of other service concepts. And Charlie will be a great leader for for the IFA board starting next uh, February. David Humphrey, who I just just mentioned, um, one of our franchisee members, was just named IFA's second vice chair a couple of weeks ago. So as folks may have seen, unfortunately, Jerry Crawford passed away a couple of months back and after some time. We, we felt the need to identify somebody to elevate to that second vice chair role. And so David has taken on that role.
1: I think anybody who has been around IFA as long as I have has seen many personalities and many people have come and gone in leadership, both from the franchise community side as well as the staff and the executive team of IFA. I can remember no time, though. Again, the word safe. I feel safe. Catherine's leadership in steady hands. The passion, I think, that comes with those that go through the chairs, all of us in franchising, you can't be in franchising without being passionate, or you can, but you can't last in franchising without second to money, you need passion. And I look at the leadership of IFA today, both from the outside in, being from the members of the community that go through the chairs and do the heavy lifting and the service work. And then those on your side of the table that meet us. I don't think there's ever been a more volatile time, but I don't really think I've ever felt so safe, even in turmoil. Let's talk about some of that turmoil to round the corners here, Matt, before we run out of time. What's the number one thing ahead of us? And what's over that treetop and over the next hill that we must be looking at beyond just the immediate? Well,
2: I think the immediate, if you ask people on the ground, it's finding workers and the challenge of just finding workers. So demand is there to get the economy reopened. And that is is something that every franchisee is facing, every, I mean, every business in America is facing it, no matter what level of employment you're finding. We're facing it at IFA In terms of finding talent, there's just such displacement. I think the over the horizon issue, you know, I touched on this a little bit at the beginning. This is more of a trade association issue, not evolving as an organization and not listening to what's going on will make you irrelevant. And I think we learned during the pandemic That if we continue to operate the same way, to try to service our members in a time where we couldn't do events, we couldn't bring people together the same way as before, but we evolved and innovated and accelerated change to meet people where they were. I think that is something that needed to happen at IFA anyway. And as I look at how other trade associations and other industries have served their members, there's been a lot of that happening in the the business side of franchising, because we have incredibly gifted entrepreneurs and innovators. And we haven't always applied that to the association. So fortunately, I have the benefit of having a lot of great business people now in the leadership of the IFA that want to innovate and, as I mentioned at the beginning, have a predisposition to do and not maintain the status quo. So you will see changes uh, in the way IFA services its members, the way that our events look, and I think that's exciting and important. So some thoughts there, Stan.
1: What about in your own backyard, in the GR government relations arena? What are we facing most immediately, and what's behind that? Well...
2: Look, the PRO Act is at the federal level. This is the, the sort of labor wish list bill that would, you know, not only upend franchising through things like joint employment, which everyone, you know, in franchising knows now is a, a major problem, but a whole host of other anti-business things that would just tip the scale towards organized labor by giving away employees' personal information to labor unions without their permission and Eliminating right to work laws in 27 states, among a host of other problems. But look, the PRO Act isn't going to go anywhere in Congress unless the filibuster is eliminated. So, you know, we're going to continue to be engaged on the PRO Act and tell senators why it's a bad idea. But I'd rather be, you know, the business community than organized labor right now because there's a majority, a bipartisan majority of senators that don't think the PRO Act's a good idea. And, you know, short of, Getting 60 votes, and right now they have 47, you know, that bill's not going anywhere. But I mentioned the filibuster. That's the thing that is looming over every issue that, you know, people in business are concerned about, whether it's the PRO Act or changes to tax policy and a host of, of other things that are kind of looming out there. So, watching that closely is something that we're doing. I don't recommend spending too much time getting into it in the business world because people need to be focused on running their businesses. But I think that is the elephant in the room right now in in the policy matrix
1: conversation. And what about at the state level, Matt, what's bubbling up to the top and where? You know,
2: California is a perpetual problem, Dan. So there's been some proact light (laughs) policies that uh, came up earlier this year in California that we defeated through a coalition that we built with the California restaurant association that's going to come back uh, in January. There's always a few states that are looking at adding franchise relationship bills because they hear from a franchisee or two about particular aggravations that they might have around franchise or business practices. But at the moment, things are relatively quiet. I say that, of course, knocking on wood. (laughs) but right now on the pure franchise issue front, things are relatively quiet. And I think that's because most franchisees and franchisors are head down trying to get out of the pandemic, figure out how to grow. I think we're seeing a lot of interest in in development. We're obviously also seeing a lot of consolidation in the both sides on the Zor and the Z side. So that's, That's, you know, the labor shortage issue is probably the the number one thing. And hopefully we're not going to see any extension of things like unemployment insurance, the pandemic plus up here in September when that expires. But look, I think the Delta variant is a total wild card right now. We had a webinar with pharma and some medical professionals yesterday that that I hosted. And, you know, folks are in the medical community are seeing models that say that we're going to be back at 200,000 cases on September 1st, which is more than we were seeing last November. So, if that occurs, we already have seen mask mandates pop up in a number of cities around the country, including Atlanta now. And I don't hear anybody talking about lockdowns again, which nobody wants to go back to. But the more brands and franchisees and, and the business community can lean into vaccines and talking about the importance of getting vaccinated, because, you know, that's, that's our way out of this era which is going to be a two-year at minimum challenge for the whole world to get through. And we all want to get back to normal and see our friends and colleagues at IFA convention in San Diego in 2022 and some other events
1: this fall. And we don't want COVID to get in the way of that. Could not agree with you more. Matt, before time takes us out of the game here, there's one place left to kind of check a box on, and that would be to spend some minutes talking about the IFA Foundation and the work that it's doing through diversity, through VetFran and the ICFE program. How about some time there? Thanks, Dan.
2: Yeah. So it's been a big year on the foundation side. I think there's way more to be done um, than there are hours in the day to do it. Uh, On the foundation side, I'll start with VetFran. So next year is going to be the 30th anniversary of VetFran. We're in San Diego for our convention, which is, of course, a huge military town. And that is going to be a a great opportunity to highlight all the great work of VetFran that has been done over the many years. And I will say over the pandemic, we've seen a tremendous uptick on vetfran.com, of interest in veterans looking at franchising opportunities. So, and that's tremendous. On the diversity side, I'll just say that we've launched the Black Franchise Leadership Council. We convened that affinity group on a number of virtual platforms, both to talk about the importance of franchising in its role in creating wealth in minority communities, and particularly the Black community. And our partnership with KeyBank, I think, has been important in convening good conversations with access to capital for folks in the minority community who are interested in franchising and the challenges that specifically those communities face sometimes in accessing capital. So we're excited to continue to do that. One other area that kind of bridges between the foundation and the, the government relations space is really leaning into that from a industry reputation and narrative standpoint. We recently completed a franchise census that we're gonna use as the backbone of a robust public awareness campaign starting this fall. And one of the major prongs of that will be the success stories of minority franchise owners to make sure that that narrative resonates with policymakers uh, around the country. And then the last area, of course, on the foundation side is the education area. And ICFE has been going through a lot of work to uh, level up the quality of its programming and its coursework, almost a masterclass style um, of programming. And that's going to start getting rolled out here in short order to really help the CFE come into the 21st Century with the way that it presents information, and also there's been a great number of new academic institutions that have built a uh, franchising-specific curriculum. Uh, there was a big announcement with the University of Louisville through an investment that Yum Brands made to create a global franchising center there. Others like Babson College through an endowment made by Tarek Farid from Edible that just was announced a couple of weeks ago. So IFA and the CFD program will be part of that. And then, of course, there's programs at places like Palm Beach Atlantic and Georgetown, Ohio State, Michigan State, and a few others. So a lot going on in the educational space that is really exciting.
1: And not to be left behind, I think, too, we need to give a shout out to Paul Pickett and Mark Jamison. You know, when we created the Diversity Institute back, and I think it was 07, when I was still on minorities and franchising, and we pivoted to become the Diversity Institute with the purposes of embracing more and more people into the franchise community from just not minority communities, but from diverse communities. And the Pride Council's work has been very visible over the last year or two, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, the Pride Council is is fantastic. We've done a number of events with members Congress and with some of our brands, we had a great event with Wendy's and their diversity officer. I think in June, and you know, looking for that to continue. But, you know, like like I said, we're trying to meet our members where they are, what they're passionate about, and franchising it literally is the rainbow in terms of what the industry looks like, and we want to reflect that in you know, not just the IFA at the staff level, but the IFA and our programming and our events. And we, are, we welcome everybody with, with open arms and, and trying to meet them where they are on their, their area of passion. So the diversity institute has been tremendous in building these affinity groups and that will continue.
1: Matt, we're coming close to the finish line here. Is there anything that I missed that I should have asked you and I didn't? Stan, I
2: think we're good. Covered a lot of ground. I appreciate the time. And, you know, as listeners want to connect with me, you can get me on LinkedIn or on Twitter uh, or at mhaler at org.
1: Well, that's terrific, Matt. I appreciate you carving out the time here. This is a very busy time in your life personally, in our lives professionally. And once again, I'd, if I were boarding an airplane and Captain Matt Haller was standing at the jetway, I'd feel safe getting into my seat and flying on your ship. So Matt, personally, I can't thank you enough for all you've done, but literally... I don't want to put too much burden on your shoulders, my friend, but I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you and your support uh,
2: of all things IFA and IFA Foundation. So thanks, everybody. Have a great uh, rest of your week.
1: Matt Haller, President and CEO of the International Franchise Association. Thanks for joining us on Franchise Today. Well, that just about wraps it up for today. Coming up in the weeks ahead, my good friend Jerry Henley, Assistant and Soul Coach and President of Launch to Growth, Peter Holt, CEO of the Joint Chiropractic, and Joe Seavey, Vice President of Franchise Development for Inspire Brands. Next week, I'll open the show with the infamous Wing King, Drew Serza, founder and promoter of the National Buffalo Wing Festival, who will be here celebrating the news of my induction this year into the National Buffalo Wing Hall of Fame, or as we hot wing refer to it as the Hall of Fame. I've actually chaired the Hall of Fame induction committee since its inception in 2006, and each year since. I've had the privilege of inducting founders of the Anchor Bar where it all began, Wingstop, my former partners and founders of Wing Zone, and I even inducted Bill Murray into the Hall of Flame back in 2010. In his case, it was for his role in the movie Osmosis Jones, which actually inspired the festival's birth in the first place. But Hall of Flame honors usually go to those who have had influence over the ascent of the chicken wing from the trash can to the center of the plate. Well, this year, the Wing King and my committee would which includes Brian Whitman of Walt Disney fame, Don Esmond, longtime columnist at the Buffalo News, and none other than Scott Lowry, co-founder of Buffalo Wild Wings. All of these guys pulled a sneaky Pete and decided it was my turn to enjoy these honors as well. So next week, when Stacy Peterson, chief technology officer at Wingstop, takes the golden microphone as my interview and guest, the Wing King himself will join us first for a word or two about the Wingfest and the Hall of Flame. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you